Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is doing everything they can to help out hashtag DGENs only cash big. Use promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus today. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is the new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match of up to $50. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting, Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. And finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Hello, hello. Welcome once again to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This will be episode six. I say good day and welcome to all my fellow degenerates and fight fans and fight fan degenerates. I think most of you probably are fall in one of those categories. I'm Jeff Fox. I am the host of this here program. I also cover uh, MMA for sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I do some MBA writing for them also, and I run MMA-manifesto.com, um, my own site, which has been going for about a decade now. If you want to head over there, you can see basically breakdowns of how much fighters make. I have a lot of salary, uh, a lot of purse info on there. Uh, you can get weekly scheduling reports on up, upcoming events. Um, we have a weekly pick'em contest where you can win some cool swag and whatnot. So head over to MMA-Manifesto.com. Um, this is the part of the program where I usually uh, insult my co-host picking ability, um, but it's such low-hanging fruit at this point. I don't. I really don't know if, if it's even worth doing it. So I'll just say, uh, here's my co-host. He's my right-hand man at MMA-Manifesto.com. He also hosts two uh, of his own podcasts, Top Turtle MMA, um, where you'll get uh, very insightful uh, fighter interviews every week, along with some some uh, betting picks. And then he also runs, uh, hosts the prelim picker, which will be a breakdown of every prelim fight on every card, which is an important thing, uh, uh, important um, skill to have if you can break down prelim fights because um, you can make some money on those. Um, less people betting on it, the lines may not be exactly where they should be. So anyhow, uh, without uh, further ado, here's my horrible uh, picking partner, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Ooh, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, terrible picks. With that being said, you just lauded me as like the the prelim knowledge guy, and I did hit three out of five prelims. So let, let's uh, at least I'm I'm hitting what I'm supposed to be hitting. But yeah, that main card. Ah, man, I, I I I'll throw it over to you, and you can talk about whatever you want. But how many of those fights like just shocked you? Because I, I was there were some of them that were so freaking surprising in. You know, not even necessarily the winner was surprising, but the way the winner won was so surprising. Yes, uh, without a doubt. So uh, we were speaking of, of course, last week's UFC 256, which turned out to be another another great card. Um, I don't know if it's the UFC Apex is, is the magic sauce here. I'm thinking more than likely it's probably the smaller cage that they're using there, um, which is forcing a lot of uh, a lot more action in these fights and a lot more finishes. So hopefully they they 
learn from this and they just use the small cage regardless of of where they are once once this uh, pandemic's over but yeah like like dan said um we're a lot of like he said not surprise winners in my case because i was five and three which isn't awesome but uh, I hit an underdog on Cub Swanson, so I got a little bit of money there. I almost almost broke even uh, for the night. Dan only hit the three prelim uh, picks. Uh, he was three for five, and he was down a lot of money. So on the year, I I'm 26 and 21, and he's 22 and 25. So lucky for him, we're gonna gonna roll, uh, reset it, and roll things over. Come uh, or actually not not roll over. We're gonna reset it. Come uh, 2021. But um, yeah, there were quite um, a lot of uh, surprising, maybe not results, but surprising, um, surprising performances. I probably uh, I start with um, with I guess the, probably the co-main event was the most surprising. Charles Charles uh, Dobronx Oliveira totally dominated Tony Ferguson, uh, both on the feed and on the ground. Yeah, it was shocking to me too because I expected him to be a better jiu-jitsu fighter than, than Tony Ferguson, right? Like, I, I expected his jiu-jitsu to be better than Tony Ferguson's. And I expected Tony Ferguson's jiu-jitsu defense to be good enough to not get subbed by him. So those two expectations came through. I did not expect Charles Oliveira to badly out-wrestle Tony Ferguson at all corners. And I also didn't expect him to... I'm pretty sure he outboxed Tony Ferguson when they were on the feet, too, right? Like... His striking looked better than Tony. So it it almost looked like there was nowhere for Tony to go to win that fight, which obviously is, you know, reflected on how it ended anyway. Here, you know, 30-26 across the judges' scorecards, and it really could have been 30-25. It, it was crazy to me that, that he looked that good. And it also, to me, begs the question, like, we always wanted the Tony-Habib fight. That would have been a train wreck, dude. <laughs> it's, it's so sad to think about it in retrospect because we spent so much time building it up in our minds. But Charles Oliveira just proved that fight would have been the most worthless fight to watch. Yeah, it, it depends on, on when when it would have happened. One of the, the six six proposed times or 600 proposed times it was going to happen. Because it looks like at, at this point... Um, with uh, Oliveira and Ferguson, they're they're two ships headed in in opposite directions. Uh, it's it's a little bit of Ferguson has not looked good. It's it's been a while where he he's been on a bit of a decline. The past two fights, uh, it actually resulted in losses. And Olivia, uh, um, Charles uh, Dobronx is is on a roll. Obviously, he's he's uh, shooting up. So like I said, it's probably two guys going in opposite directions. But yeah, if if that was any indication, the the Habib fight, Habib fight would have uh, played out like all his all of other uh, Habib fights have, have played out. Yeah, and maybe more brutally too, because the other thing is Oliveira had some pretty nasty grounded pound in there too. I, I'm so excited for whatever they determine is next for him, because I mean, like 155 has always been the most fun at the top anyway. It, you know, like just just draw a name for out of that top five. You know the the you know Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, um, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, that five-ish. You know Dan Hooker, you could probably throw in there too to round out the five. That anybody out of that five is fun as hell for Oliveira. No doubt, we're probably burying the lead though from UFC 256 because the main event was was a fight for the ages, a, a classic fight. A lot of people are saying it it's uh, possibly um, it's probably match of the year or or at least um at least in the running um for for fight of the year uh ended up in a draw between uh figueredo and moreno is that how you scored it dan or not i, I did i scored it uh i gave round well, let me see if i remember this correctly two and four to moreno one three and five to figueredo i think i'm remembering that correctly yeah two and four to moreno one three five to figueredo and uh, you know, remembering that obviously Figueredo loses a point in there for the, the nut shot, which first of all, I think is totally reasonable, uh, being that he had a foul four seconds before that. And um, the fact that like, if it changes the fight as much as you imagine that shot did, like I, I agree with taking the point right away. You can't get mad at uh, Jason Herzog for that. So um, yeah, I, I scored it 47-47. How about you? I was, I didn't uh, really score it. Um 
Well, I, I, w- I was kind of scoring it while I was watching it, but I wasn't uh, wasn't being super precise with it. I was thinking Moreno was was winning the fight. Um, wasn't really shocked when I when I heard it was a draw. Um, once it seems once a, a guy loses a point, you're almost uh, you're, you're almost being set up set up for a draw. It seems like that that seems to be the way it, it always always turns out. Um, yeah, I, I I was thinking Moreno was winning the fight, um, but I like I said, I he could have gone. Either way, um, it was very, very close. Um, Moreno was super, super tough in there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was quite a fight. If you haven't seen it, make sure you go to the, uh, out of the way and, and see it, uh, fans. It's definitely worth your 25 minutes of, of, uh, time investment in it. For sure. And I would also say too, that the only thing that surprised me from those judges scorecards, cause like you said, it wouldn't have been surprising if it went either way. Although I will say giving Davison Figueredo four rounds, which one judge did, I don't see I don't see that like I, I I have a really hard time seeing he won more than than one three and five you know like two and four were pretty clear to Moreno if you wanted to flip you know one or uh, three or or one five to Moreno two I would have been fine with that but I certainly am not giving Davidson Figueroa four rounds there um, and also I will just say for everybody who's out there talking about this as fight of the year it is great. But I just want to remind you that Wei Li Zhang versus uh, Yuan Yan Jacek did happen in 2020. I know 2020 has been a tough time for everybody. You need to remember that that happened and it's one of the greatest fights of all time. This one's good and wins fight of the year in a lot of years. Not this year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the other fight everyone is is mentioning as as the other contender for fight of the year. But people's memories are short-term, so there's more than likely that this fight's going to get um, – uh, the fight this past weekend is going to get a lot more, a lot more votes than than it would have if if it happened earlier on. Um, by the traffic I'm getting on my, on MMA-manifesto.com, it looks like the biggest star of the night was was Kevin Holland uh, after folding Jacare Souza in in half in in their fight. Yeah, and and that was again you hate to say like oh my my read on the fight was good. Uh, and the result was the opposite. But, like, I feel like my read on the fight was good. I called for Jacare to win because I thought he would be able to take down Kevin Holland when he wanted to. And he wound up on top of Kevin Holland, like, three seconds into the fight, right? Like, he, yep. he wound up on – he did exactly what I thought he could do. Could Kevin Holland sub him off of his back? No, of course not. That's what I said. Was Kevin Holland going to win a decision off of his back? Heck no, that's what I said. Was Kevin Holland going to knock him out off of his back? <laughs> Not even a possibility I fathomed. You don't break that down when you're in an MMA fight. You don't break down a KO from the seat of your pants. But that's what we got. We got Kevin Holland knocking somebody out while laying down, which is, I mean, maybe the most Kevin Holland result that could have possibly come from that fight. Yes, without question. And he every time he, he got taken down, he was threatening to to knock him out he was like the very from the from the second he was down he was throwing those elbows up at at jack Ray. so it wasn't by no by no means a, a fluke he um he really laid it on him and his his star continues to to rise also um earlier in the night uh the other guy that was bringing lots of traffic in for me was um another one of the picks i got correct yeah these are all picks that you got wrong danny Interesting. <laughs> uh the, the, the other guy was uh can you guess who i'm going to say for the next one Raphael physio no, I got that one wrong. So we both got the wrong. Oh no, yeah, I'll... we both took more count of this. Cub Swanson, everyone ah. was very very high at him, but I think mostly because he was in, in the main event and it was on the free portion of, of the car. But he uh, he looked good once again, also two fights yeah. in a row. He did, yeah, and uh, it it was interesting too because uh, I you know I was lower on his wrestling uh, than because I thought Pineda you know being a established grappler and you know Cub Swanson has a lot of documented losses to to good grapplers, but. He looked good in there. And if we're, if we're going to pick out all the ones you got right and I got wrong, which is, you know, easier to do, let's also talk about let's also talk about the fact that you committed treason last week and picked the American to beat Gavin Tucker. I took you I took your countryman and he looked, you know, and, and I committed treason too, obviously. I, I went with the Canadian instead of the American, but at least I was right doing it. Like if you're going to pick against your countryman, you get, at least got to get it right. And Gavin Tucker looks like a freaking beast at 55 yeah he he looked very good in that fight after admit he um he put it on billy q from basically from, from the start to the finish uh he, he didn't let up one bit at all so um so where do you with with all the with dana white um 
saying that there's going to be at least 60 guys cut. Um, I think there's a lot of guys from last night who, who are on shaky ground at this point um, based on, uh, on the recent records and, and how much money they're making. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Ferguson get his walking papers. He makes a lot of money. He's uh, him and the USC have not always seen eye to eye and he's basically a shell of himself. Um, Junior Dos Santos for sure. He's making half a million a fight and he's lost, lost four straight. Um, and Jacare Souza could be in the, in the same boat too. He makes about, he makes over 200,000 200, a fight. Um, and he's, he's uh, looking like he's on his last legs too. Do you think, any of those three guys are going to be uh, going to be cut in the next uh, few weeks? I actually probably would say two of them. Um, the ones that stick out to me probably Junior Dos Santos. Um, while while I, I've always loved watching him fight, he's a former champion. You know, he's I mean his legacy makes sense. But when you you think about what the UFC is trying to do, cut costs. Like, I think he, he's just a logical pick for a guy to go, making half a million to fight to lose. And half a million to fight and lose, you mentioned he's on a losing streak. It's against good guys, right? Like, it's against big punchers. But that whole division is big punchers. And he's now been knocked out four times in a row. You know, and, and we talked last week about cumulative knockouts and how that's not like a, you know, you get knocked out by a guy who throws really hard. You don't have to worry. This guy throws less hard. It it builds, right? Like, it builds I think Jacare is probably out the door too. Like in addition to now being knocked out, now having lost, you know, uh, three in a row. You know, his last win was over Chris Weidman in 2018. Um, you know, like in the the fight with Jan Blankovic wasn't fun. You know, like making 200,000. I will say I'm more confident that we see Tony Ferguson in the octagon again, though. Um, just because I think. From a perspective of trying to sell tickets when they can sell tickets again, you put Tony Ferguson on the, a five-round headliner um, to a fight card, I still think he sells really well. Like, if, if you did, you know, UFC in Auckland, New Zealand, you know, after obviously all of this is over, uh, Dan Hooker versus uh, Tony Ferguson, it, I mean, like, that place would sell out, right? Like, it's a, it's still a huge fight. Um, you know, you could put him in with Paul Felder and it's like a crazy fight, right? Um, you know, I wouldn't maybe match him with somebody like RDA again, because again, the wrestling seems to be an issue now, but there are a lot of fun strikers there. And I think there's still a lot of fun fights for him. He is a shell of himself. He is definitely doing some weird things with the interview world. Uh, and he's clearly never had the best relationship with them, but I, I, I still see that he's marketable enough. Whereas the other two are, you know, Brazilian guys. You know, no offense to Brazilian guys, but they sell worse in the American market. Otherwise, Davison Figueiredo would be the biggest star in the world. Uh, and they're coming off knockouts. They're about 40 years old. Like, you know, the, they they seem like the type of people we're categorizing as part of this roster cut. You know, if you know if if um you know if if we have the right read on this roster cut, um, and if it winds up being the same magnitude as he's talking about. So, um, yeah, that would that would be my thinking at least. Yep, no, it, it's uh, totally, basically agree with all those points. Maybe this is something we can get into more in the in the coming weeks when the UFC actually takes a little break for for a change. We can uh, talk about the lovely subject of who's going to get fired uh, right around the holiday season. So wouldn't that be great? Um, there's um, speaking of UFC going dark, they have one more event for 2020 before uh, they call it a year, and it's it's a jam packed one. Um, both in quantity and quality uh, next week. But before I hit you up with all the info on that and all, <clears throat> excuse me, all the winning picks, uh, let's tell you about our friends over at mybookie.ag. It's the most wonderful time of year that can end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is mybookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you are naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. You can bet the NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. So it's simple. Sign up, enter promo code SGP, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. All right, moving on to this week's event. Um, despite 
losing the main event uh, of um, Leon Edwards and Hamzat Shimiev. I don't know why I'm butchering his name because all, all, all I do is hear about him nonstop. Um, I, I believe both of them uh, got COVID at one point or another recently. Uh, it was Edwards who actually pulled out of the fight. So despite losing that fight, having that fight uh, kicked down the road, um, until early 2021 it's still a, a pack like i said uh before the break a packed packed card both in terms of quality and quantity um at this point it's called ufc fight night thompson versus neil but obviously as per usual this uh in 2020 and moving in 2021 these things are very tentative uh, to say the least we lost four fights last week uh, at the last minute so um let's start things off as we do at the uh, with the curtain jerker which will be a lightweight fight i believe yes a lightweight fight between rick glenn and carlton minus um for th- this is uh this fight will be like i said taking place at lightweight glenn normally fights at featherweight a uh, minus normally fights at welterweight or, or most recently both guys have fought in those classes so one guy's coming down one guy's going up um for minus, um, he's got obviously he's going to be the bigger man. He's two inches taller, five inches of reach. Uh, he's also younger, four years younger. Um, he dropped his UFC debut, uh, so he's 0-1 uh, of his 10 wins, 10 pro wins, six knockouts, one submission. He is a very um, fairly large plus 250 dog at this point uh, on at my bookie. Um, as for Glenn, the former featherweight, he's got striking and grappling stats in his favor, so that's a big plus there. Um, he's only one and two over his last three fights. He's a uh, pedestrian three and three overall as a UFC fighter. Of his 21 pro wins, 11 knockouts, four submissions, so he's definitely a finisher. Uh, he's a very uh, hefty minus 350 favorite. I'm going with the favorite, but I'm not sure about a number that large. No, I, I hate that number, to be honest with you, because I, I saw – this fight booked uh, with Glenn moving up and Minus moving down, and I was like, oh, cool, they'll underestimate how much better of a striker Rick Glenn is because that's the fact. That's why you pick Rick Glenn in this fight is he's a vastly better striker than Carlton Minus, who's coming off of a loss to Matthew Samellisberger, who is – he's like a high school wrestler. That's what Samellisberger is. He's like a damn good high school wrestler, and, and he popped him on the feet like a hundred times. So, like – that being said, like, you have to love a guy who's going to go in there and strike and stuff the takedown, which is exactly what Rick Glenn's going to do. But at negative 350, coming off of a, a two-year layoff, right? Like, we haven't seen him since 2018 against Kevin Aguilar, and we haven't seen him win since July of 2018. Where, granted, he, he beat Dennis Bermudez, which is a hell of a win. You know, you know, you go back a year even before that, he absolutely brutalized Gavin Tucker, who since hasn't lost and looked like a killer. Um, so, like... Uh, you you got to go with Rick Glenn. You, it makes a lot of sense. If you're the person who's looking for a value pick on here or you're looking for a pick to add to your parlays, avoid Rick Glenn like the plague. But that being said, he's my pick here too. Yeah, well, we, have to, we have to make a pick because we're degenerates and we're going to bet every fight. But um, but if you're not a, a hardcore degenerate, you may want to just steer clear of this one or uh, or wait and see if the line gets a little uh, a little more advantageous. Um, moving right along, this is a fight we actually broke down a few weeks back, so we'll just go through it quickly again. It was canceled then and shifted off to, to this card. Flyweight fight, uh, Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. Um, as for the stats, Durden um, is coming off a draw in his last fight. I, I believe that's his only UFC fight thus far. He's a year younger. He's a plus 125 dog in this one. Um, Flick has uh, got an inch reach. This will be his UFC debut. Um, he, I believe he came off the Contender Series. Uh, he's got striking and grappling stats in his favor, but both guys have uh, very little sample size there. Of his, four, uh, of his 15, sorry, pro wins, he's got 13 submissions. Uh, he's won three straight all by sub. He's minus 145 favorite at this point. I had him picked a few weeks ago as the winner here, and I'm picking him again. Yeah, and if you need an in-depth breakdown, definitely go back and listen to two weeks ago because we give you a good in-depth breakdown. But for, for the most part, yeah, what I'm saying here, Flick, better sub guy, better scrambles, um, you know, mostly even on the feet. And, and Cody Durden's probably going to try to wrestle him, which is going to be silly, and he's going to get subbed. Okay, there you go. See, you, you don't need much more than that. So that, that's that's the pick, and it's a pretty decent line, minus 145. And if you want to add in the the like Dan said, the uh, win by submission, you're going to get yourself even better money uh, on that. Um, moving right along, middleweights, uh, Tefan Chukwi versus Jamie Pickett. Um, 
Chikwi will be making his uh, debut. Um, he's another guy coming off Dana White's Contender Series, which is one of the reasons uh, we were talking earlier about all these high-priced veterans um, maybe having to, to look for uh, employment elsewhere because uh, they are filling up the roster with these very cheap, uh, young Dana White Contender Series uh, alum um, and, and cutting the the high-priced vets. So anyhow, uh, that was an aside there. He's six years younger than Pickett, uh, 4-0 as a pro, so very, uh, very uh, young in his career. But all four have come via knockout, which have people excited and uh, Contender Series, he won via head kick knockout, which makes people very excited also. Um, he's fighting Pickett. Um, Pickett is also an alum of uh, the Contender Series. He's fought three times on that show, only one, only winning once his last one. So he's one and two on the Contender Series. Uh, he will be the bigger man here, though. Two inches of height, three inches of reach. Um, he's got striking and grappling stats in his favor, but this is very small sample size at this point for these guys. Uh, his 11 pro wins, eight have come via knockout. So there's a good chance we're going to get some fireworks in this fight. Uh, Pickett's plus 260 at this point. Uh, Chukwi is minus 320, and I will be taking uh, Chukwi. Yeah, I- I'm going to go with Tevon Chukwi too because, you know, like, I-, I like Jamie Pickett. It's it's such a great story to see that he got three chances on the Contender Series, which, to be fair, he lost to Charles Burden and Punahale Seriano. So, like, he lost to some really good guys on that show who've done fairly well since then. But the fact of the matter is, is like the reason he lost to those guys was because they they definitely had a strength advantage and applied that strength advantage. You know, especially when he lost to Charles Bird, he's fighting a dude who's an absolute powerhouse. So like it, he's gonna have trouble using his strength to like wear out Chukwe because Chukwe is just gonna manhandle him. And then the first chance he gets to land something, you know, like you're, you're right. They they both have knockout abilities. But the, the level to the knockout abilities is very different, right? Like Pickett, Pickett knocks people out, but Pickett doesn't knock people out like Chukwe does. So um, I expect Chukwe here by KO uh, as a fairly easy pick. All right, there you go. Um, another prop for you if you want to make um, better money than minus 320, which uh, which is, isn't a great line there. Uh, we go to Bantamweights. Uh, Amon Zahabi is finally, uh, finally coming back. His last fight was May 2019. Uh, he's the younger brother of Fares Zahabi, the uh, esteemed uh, head coach of TriStar MMA in Montreal and uh, therefore GSP's uh, head coach back in the day. Um, he will be fighting in this Bantamweight uh, fight against uh, Draco Rodriguez or Draco Rodriguez, um, another guy making his debut off the Contender Series. Um, I'll tell you about him first. He's got an inch reach on Zahabi, uh, nine years younger. Uh, grappling stats are in his favor, but not a huge sample size for him. Uh, he's 7-1 as a pro, two knockouts, four submissions, so fairly well, well-rounded, and he is a finisher, obviously. Um, six of the seven wins have come uh, via finish. He's minus 200 favorite at this point. Zahabi's lost two straight. He got absolutely starched two fights ago. Um, then he lost his last one also uh, after winning his debut in the UFC. So he's one and one and two overall in the big show. Uh, he's a plus 160 dog. Uh, Rodriguez minus 200. I'm taking chalk again in this one, but that's just just wait till later. I uh, have a lot of dogs coming up. Well, I'm actually going to jump onto my dogs now. I'm going to take Iman Zahabi in this one. Um, and and you know you mentioned he got starched by by Ricardo Hamosh and, and like that's a tough fight in the first place, right? Because Hamosh is a beast. But we also have to remember that fight had three minutes left when Hamosh landed that knockout Hail Mary spinning elbow. And the reason he he threw that spinning elbow was because Zahabi was beating him, right? Like Zahabi had him back against the cage, was laying into him, had already won. I, I would say he definitely won the second round, had possibly won the first round, and was clearly winning the third round. And then he got knocked out. So, like, he was on his way to winning a decision over Ricardo Hamosh. And, like, that that's a guy who we've been highly touting since then, right? And don't get me wrong. It's sad that Zahabi then lost to Vince Morales and sort of disappeared off the face of the map for a couple of years. But I really like Zahabi's skill level. I really like that he's probably went back to, and, you know, has the smartest coach in the game uh, on his side for all of this. And really, if you look at Rodriguez in, in his most recent win, the the pro he did win by submission, but he largely looked out grappled for a bunch of it. He took his opponent down. He was in a triangle. He was in an armbar. He was in an omoplata. And then when he rolled through an omoplata, he accidentally put a triangle choke on him. You know, and I don't mean to like discredit his skill, but it looked like he accidentally fell into a triangle choke, which is wild uh, that he wound up finishing it that way. 
But I think Zahabi is just too crafty if it does hit the ground. And I actually think he's he's probably a better technical fighter on the feet, even though less aggressive. Um, and I think the, the plus 160 price tag here probably entices me. If this was a little bit closer, maybe I'd pick Rodriguez, but I, I really like the price tag here on Zahabi. All right, there you go. That's um, Dan's first slip up of the of the day. So <laughs> that, that'll be the first L he'll be catching. But um, before he goes and catches some other L's, let's tell you about our friends at Thrive Fan- uh, Fantasy. So it's Thrive Fantasy. I butcher their name. Uh, come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Just in time for the holidays, we're teaming up with Thrive Fantasy for an awesome SGP merch bundle. So send in a screenshot of you joining Thrive Fantasy with the promo code SGP, and you'll have a chance to win $100 in SGP merch. So just email your screenshot to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. So with Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. If you want to play NFL, choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. For other sports such as NBA, PGA, baseball when it's back, esports, uh, you choose five out of the ten available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly and has awarded over $1.6 in cash prizes. So use promo code SGP when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match up to $50 in your first deposit with a four times rollover. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today and don't forget our code SGP. All right, let's see if Dan picks the right one here or not. Um, we have a catchweight fight, 195. I believe both these guys are normally middleweights, is that right? At this point, okay. Uh, so we got Darren Wynn, who really should be a lightweight based or welterweight based on the size, but um, he's fighting Antonio Arroyo. Um, we'll start with Wynn. He's lost two straight uh, after winning his UFC debut, so he's one and two in his um, – in his UFC career, uh, he got subbed out his last, uh, tapped out his, his last uh, fight, and he also popped for a drug infraction on that fight. Um, so he's coming back off of that. He's plus 115 dog in this one. Arroyo's um, nine inches taller, so win is very, very small for uh, small for this weight class. Um, Arroyo also has three inches of reach on him. Um, yeah, Wynn is only five foot six uh, for middleweight, so he's he's built like built like a fire hydrant. Um, he is uh, who are we? Arroyo we're talking about. Yes, grappling will be in his favor. Grappling stats at least, and I believe um, grappling to to your eye also. Uh, he's two and one in the UFC. Of his nine wins, seven are via submission. He's minus one forty five favorite in this one. Who you like in them? Uh, I'm going to go with Arroyo. Uh, I like Darren Wynn's wrestling. Let, let's start off there. But all of those things that you're saying about his height it, is a huge deterrent for me. And, and the reason is is because you watch him fight. Like, just go back to his last fight with Gerald Mearshart. Like, he is a better wrestler than Gerald Mearshart. Could he have possibly lost on the ground by submission because Mearshart's a wizard on the mat? For sure. But the problem was is he couldn't get close enough to him. Mearshart, and Mearshart isn't even as big as Arroyo is, right? He doesn't even fight behind his jab as well as Arroyo does. So, like, we're, we're talking about a guy who's small and a great wrestler, but has trouble getting inside, and he's fighting a guy who's even long for middleweight, right? Like, Arroyo is a big-ass middleweight, um, which maybe is why this is an 195-pound catchweight, but, like, Arroyo is just going to fight behind that jab. He's probably going to throw some, some big right hands that come over the top of of uh wins guard especially because he's low to the ground uh and, and for all those reasons i just think arroyo probably peppers him on the feet enough um that either he gets him out late or just sort of wears out darren win because that's the other thing darren win doesn't have the best gas tank in the world um despite being a uh you know up a weight class essentially maybe the the last 10 pounds he doesn't have to cut here help but i, I again i just don't think he gets inside enough to even use his wrestling Exactly. Yeah. So we're talking five foot six versus six foot three um, in this fight, and you never know how a guy's going to come back after after being popped for a a banned substance. Also, you, you don't know if um, if if they were relying on that uh, to to cut weight or or you know stamina, strength, whatever. So so you never know. So we both suggest steering clear of that. So minus one forty five for Arroyo is actually a pretty decent uh, decent value pick, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd throw that in a parlay. Um, you know, I mentioned before I like Jimmy Flick. 
Uh, those two, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Probably my parlay here. Throw that in a parlay. We're going to make a shirt for Dan. <laughs> Throw that in a parlay. Everybody's getting thrown or shoved into parlays with this guy. <laughs> All right, we'll s- move on to middleweights. It's another fight which we previewed uh, in, in the past few weeks, which was uh, canceled and pushed off till this card. So we'll just go through it quickly this time. It's uh, Carl Roberson, Dolce Lugam. Lugiambala, Lugiambula, that's it, Lugiambula. I'll get it right eventually. So Lugiambula, uh, two inches of reach, um, one and one in this past two. He's, uh, this is a fight which wasn't, uh, as of this recording, wasn't on my book yet, but other books have it right around the two plus 240 range for him. Uh, Robertson, much bigger uh, or much taller, um, less reach though. He's uh, five inches taller, um, three years younger, striking stats in his favor. Four and three in the UFC, nine pro wins, uh, two KOs, four submissions, so he's a bit of a finisher, minus 260. I'm taking the chalk in this one again. Yeah, I'm going to go Roberson as well, um, which I, I'm sure I did you know, two or three weeks ago, which is when we first broke it down. My, my major concern here is that Roberson doesn't really get knocked out. He gets subbed, not really looking on Bula's game to, to take it to that range, and I'm pretty sure Dolce Lugiambula is going to come into this fight with one leg because he's going to have to cut one of them off to make weight. So um, with that being said, he's never had a good gas tank. And, you know, between that and not being able to knock out Roberson, I think he's probably just going to gas himself out and get finished late. Yep, there you go. Um, women's bantamweight, the only women's fight on – actually, there's another one uh, – Never mind that. So there, there's two women's ban, uh, women's fights on this week's card. This one will be a bantamweight one. Sajera Eubanks, uh, Pani Kayanzad. Uh, Eubanks got an inch of reach. A grappling stats in her favor. Uh, she's two and three in the UFC and uh, only six and five overall as a pro. Um, she's minus 140 favorite in this one, despite all that. Um, her opponent, three inches taller, six years younger, two and two in the UFC, but she's won two straight after after dropping her her first two fights in the promotion. She's plus 110 dog, and she will be the first uh, dog I'll be taking on this night. Yeah, and this is, I, I will be honest, this is the closest fight on the card for me. This is the hardest one to call. But I think I'm going to go with Eubanks here, and, and I think, you know, MMA math doesn't work out all the way, but, like, when you think about both of their fights with Julia Avila, Kianzad's biggest problem with Julia Avila is because she couldn't manipulate where Avila was going. Avila could kind of press her against the cage, grapple her up a little bit if she needed to. And then you look at Avila's same fight against Sajara Eubanks, which is a little bit more recent, and Eubanks manhandled her. She absolutely picked her up, slammed her all the time, was all over her in the grappling department. And I just think if, if Avila sort of had that strength advantage and had that Maybe not a pure grappling advantage, but like at least had a slight advantage in getting it where she wanted to, but then absolutely whiffed on that against Eubanks. I just wonder how that transfers. And for me, I think Eubanks probably takes Kion Zad down enough so that she can pick up rounds that way. Um, but again, this is one I'm, you know, I, I, you're picking Kion Zad here. I think your pick is not bad because this is a, a coin flip type fight for me. And I guess. I mean, if you're, you're the type who's looking to put down some money and you got a coin flip fight, you probably look for the dog. But um, the gun to my ped pick here is going to be Sajara Eubanks. Okay, another L for Dan. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so he's got two losses so far in the undercard. One more, uh, one more prelim fight on this jam-packed card. I think I'm thinking they're they're jamming what 15 fights in this card because they're they're sure some of them are going to fall through. So hopefully not since we're breaking down each one for you. Um, so the headliner of the prelim card, which will be on ESPN Plus at this point, both uh, they're both listed at ESPN Plus, but more than likely they're, they're going to end up on, on uh, one of the big networks, ESPN or ESPN2 at, uh, at some point, um, I'm guessing. Uh, so welterweights, uh, Bilal, remember the name, Mohammed, and uh, not Douglas Lima, Diego Lima, um, the brother of Bellator stud Douglas Lima. Um Mohamed's won three straight fights, uh, four of his last five, so he's definitely streaking, um, he's, which would explain his minus 320 um, line in this one. Uh, Lima will be bigger, three inches taller, th- three inches of reach, uh, younger also, 
um, just by a year, so that's not not much of a, an attack there. Uh, he's also won three straight uh, after losing his first two in the OCR. Actually, he's he's three and two over his last five, more precisely. Uh, he's plus two sixty dog. I'm I'm taking uh, Muhammad. I'm not sure about a minus three twenty line, but uh, he's my pick to win it. Yeah, I actually think that that line is probably about right. I don't know if it's one that I'm jumping all over and really excited about because in general I'm not that excited about negative three hundred lines, but I think he's a safe play there. Um, because I, I'm not really impressed with Diego Lima. He's a guy who got really tired and sort of gassed out against uh, Luke Jumo, uh, who's you know not really the top caliber fighter you want to see a guy winning a split decision over. And granted, it probably shouldn't have been a split. He he probably only gave away the third round. Uh, I know one judge gave Jumo the first round, but like you know Lima not the same caliber as Bilal Muhammad. I'm pretty sure he's in this fight because Bilal Muhammad had his actual opponent back out. Um, and for that reason, that means um, Bilal Muhammad, yeah, he did have his original opponent back out. It was Sean Brady, who's, you know, an absolute beast. So he, he was in the middle of a good training camp for Sean Brady. Lima kind of jumping in here at the end. And, you know, that plays into it to some extent to being a late replacement. I, I like Muhammad for that reason, as well as, you know, I just think he's a better technical striker and stays away from the grappling of Lima. Yep, there you go. So um, that wraps up the prelim portion. Uh, before we move on to the the main card, I'm going to tell you about a new sponsor. So new sponsor alert. Uh, it's Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is an all new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. There's actually one I made myself on there right now. If you want to go check it out, uh, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about sports betting the best part is you'll be able to get video picks from the sgpn crew like i said i am on there already uh that we're exclusively posting over at better than vegas um so the website they cover all the sports as well uh so not just ufc mma uh we got nfl college football college basketball soccer i'm sure they'll have nba once uh, that starts up in a few weeks uh if free video picks isn't enough they're also giving you away cash so who can ask for more than that? $1,000 to the handicapper that wins the most units and $1,000 to the handicapper that has the most followers. So make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page. So it'll be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. So you don't miss any of our videos. And if the SGPN page wins any cash, they will give it away to the listeners. How how generous is that? Uh, talk. Um, so like I said, check out my our pick last week. We picked Ferguson, which lost, but we had um, Mackenzie Dern and uh, Verna Jandaroba going to the distance, which won. So there you go. We uh, It was a push, basically. So head over to betterthan.vegas. Uh, that's betterthan.vegas and see what we picked this week. And you can see my ugly mug. I, I may actually make Dan do some because he's far more handsome and, and younger. And life hasn't, life hasn't beaten him down quite as bad as it's beaten me down at this point. So that's a promise. All right, main card. Pack main card. There's a lot of big names on here, which uh, will get the casuals excited. And there's a lot of uh, exciting matchups too. Start things off with a welterweight fight. Um, speaking of big names, uh, at one point they didn't get much bigger than Anthony Showtime Pettis, the former champ. He's fighting uh, Alex Morono in this one. Uh, Pettis grappling stats are in his favor. Striking stats are even for both these guys. Um, he's Pettis is one in two in his last three, and he's only won two of his last five. But he is the very solid minus two ten favorite in this one. Morono will be an inch taller, three inches younger. Uh, he's won his last four, and he's a plus one seventy underdog. Mr. Dan. Yeah. I'm going to take Murano in this one, actually. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Doubling down yeah, on the dog that, here. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to wait and hear, hear, what, hear what you picked before I, I tip my hand. But, yes, I'm taking him also. Yeah, I, I love Anthony Pettis. And, and, you know, like he looked good in that fight with uh, Cerrone, right? But the problem is, is that, like, I think we've decided that, that 170 is not for him. Like, I know he wants to go to 170 and it keeps him from cutting the weight. And, like, clearly he had some options to fight people at 55. You know, uh, Hanato Moicano said to me last week that they offered him Anthony Pettis and Pettis didn't want the fight, which I'm assuming is just because he's interested in 170, which is so weird to me because he looked, like, outsized by Nate Diaz, who is not a big 170 guy, and sort of got, you know, sort of got manhandled by him. So I, I know he's got that win over Steven Thompson I don't want to call it a fluke, but at this point in time, it kind of feels like a fluke. Um, it, and you got a guy here in Murano who, who almost seems to be Pettis' worst nightmare, right? Like, 
Pettis doesn't deal with a dude who wrestles and does jujitsu well. We saw him lose to Diego Fajeda, who literally is a teammate of Alex Morano and trains grappling with the guy. And Morano is a second-degree black belt. Like, he's a hell of a grappler, and he's going to have a massive size advantage here on Pettis. And I just think when you combine that really good grappling, the size advantage, and Pettis is going to have a striking advantage, and Morano is going to have to get it there. But I just think he probably is going to get it there enough to win this fight. And I actually think he's got a jujitsu advantage, despite what people say about Pettis. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, Pettis' jujitsu always was was underrated. But um, yeah, Morano's got the uh, got the the black belt, and he's training at Fortis MMA, which you can't put enough uh, enough um, respect into that. It's one of the best camps around, if not the best camp around. So we're both going with the younger, bigger. Um, streaking fighter at, at this point. I'm getting almost twice twice the money, so let's see. I don't I don't think you can get much better than that. So um, a good way to start off the the main card. Then we move to a women's. I believe it's strawweight, is it not? Uh, flyweight. Sorry, women's flyweight belt. Uh, a Canadian. We'll see if I commit treason two weeks in a row. Uh, Jillian Robertson. Taylor uh, Santos. Uh, Robertson is two years younger. She's won two straight fights. Um, she's four, won four of her last five. She's uh, a submission um, wizard, you could say. Um, the tw- a young submission wizard. She's only 25. She's got to check her out. Nine wins, six submissions. So uh, path to victory there. Um, as for Santos, uh, she'll be an inch taller, five inches of reach, which uh, may, may play a big factor here. Um, grappling stats are in her favor, but uh, like I said, Robertson's a, a very good at submissions. Uh, Santos has won two of uh, her three UFC fights. So she's two and one of her 16 wins. Ten have come via knockout, two via submission. Um, she's at minus 105. Uh, Roberts is minus 125, so Santos is a very small uh, underdog in this one. I will take the underdog uh, in this one also, two in a row. I'm going to go with with Jillian Robertson. I'm going to differ with you on this one uh, for a couple of reasons. First, I know the stock is higher in Santos after that win over Molly McCann, but I will remind you that, like, basically she out-wrestled the boxer, like a British boxer. She out-wrestled her. And before that, she got out-grappled by... I don't know if you want to call her a boxer, but an Italian MMA fighter in Mara Barella, who I think is probably one of the worst fighters in the women's flyweight division. I'm not even sure she's still employed by the UFC. She went, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one in five in her last six bouts with only a win over Talia Santos. So with that being said, I like am still very low on Santos's grappling game. And she's going up against the woman who has the most submissions in UFC women's history. She passed Ronda Rousey for that record. Like, she's an absolute beast. And in addition to that, she is one of the main people benefiting from Dean Thomas leaving American Top Team. He's pretty much working exclusively with her now. She got her black belt through him since then. Like, I I think you're going to see the big growth from her in this fight, which is, again... One of those things you get out of somebody who's that young. You know, she's she's a little bit younger than Santos. So I think the, the grappling advantage paired with uh, the fact that we just keep seeing her get better here is a big enough path to victory for her. Well, I obviously haven't learned my lesson. I'm picking against the Canadian two weeks in a row, and uh, hopefully I, I don't lose this one. You're um, definitely going to hear about it next week if you go I anti-Canadian know, two weeks in a row. And I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken... Uh, I think you were anti-Canadian earlier today too, right? Because I took Iman Zahabi, who's your countryman. Oh, that's right, yes. And you yes. took Draco Rudder. So in the oh. last two weeks, you're 0-3 picking against Canadians. If you go 0-3 and wins two on those ones, yeah, we, we might have to revoke your citizenship. Oh, God. <laughs> don't want to be sent to the States. Where would I, where would I had? Um, moving on to heavyweights. Um, the guy who had his citizenship from the NFL revoke, Greg Hardy, uh, will be fighting um, against, probably against his, his uh, toughest opponent to, to date, uh, Marcin Tybura. Um, so as for Tybura, he will have the grappling stats in his favor. He's won three straight fights after dropping two uh, before that, so he's three and two in his last five. Uh, of his 20 wins, 20 pro wins, seven KOs, six 
submissions. He's at minus one. This is basically a pick and fight at this point. They're both at minus 115. As for Hardy, uh, two inches of height, two inches of reach in his favor, three years younger. He's probably going to be, uh, based on previous weigh-ins, he's probably going to be uh, at least 15 pounds heavier than uh, Tybura. Uh, Hardy actually had to misweight his first attempt last fight and um, had to actually cut weight to get down to the heavyweight limit of 265, which basically you never see guys misweight at, at heavyweight. So um, he's got striking stats in his favor. He's won two straight of his last five. He's got three wins, one loss, one no contest. Of the seven pro wins, all six have come via, or six of the seven have come via knockout. Uh, like I said, they're both at pick them minus 115. Um, I'm taking Ty Burrow. I think you'll he, be too much for the for the up-and-comer. I'm picking Ty Burrow too here, but I do have to say I have a little bit of reservation in the fact that, like, Greg Hardy being a guy who has not been a martial artist his whole life and is now devoting all of his time to it seems to be making – tremendous leaps and bounds every time out. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't think he's like a top five talent yet or a top 10 talent, or maybe even won't ever reach top five or top 10 talent. But that being said, it, it certainly alarms you against like the, the fringe of the top 15, right? Like I'd probably take a lot of the guys in the top 15 against him, but like these guys just outside, like Marcin Tybura worry me a little bit because you know, if they, if they got, if he got Greg Hardy, the Greg Hardy that, you know, made his UFC debut in early 2019 and was just badly out grappled and outworked on the feet and outgassed by Alan Crowder, uh, you know, like Ty Burrow wins in round one or Ty Burrow wins any way he wants. But like, I don't know. He, he looked, you know, pretty good against Maurice Green defending that grappling. He got his own takedown in there. Um, you know, the, the, Jorgen DeCastro fight's weird because nobody was aggressive enough to really even draw anything from that fight. You know, I think there was like 70 punches total thrown in a 15-minute fight. He's just so hard to get a read on and how much he'll change fight to fight. I'm going with Tybura, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, this this might be one you want to steer clear of of betting on. Um, or or you you may like the uh, the low line minus 115 for for a veteran like Tybura who who uh, who could put the work on Hardy or Hardy could one punch knock him out. Also, he's, he's a freak athlete. So like I said, you may want to, may want to declare or, or uh, go with us and take Tybura. So, um, if, so that's basically, uh, that's the stack card already. And we haven't even hit the top, what four four fights uh, on the night. So before we hit you with those, we'll tell you about one last sponsor of ours, Ace Per Head. Ever thought of starting your own sports book, but don't know how? Ace Per Head is here to help you start your own sports book. They'll provide you with all, an all inclusive professional betting site, with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Per Head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. So get started today, and Ace is offering you up to six weeks free. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. So aceperhead.com slash SGP. So uh, moving on, uh, you agree this is a stacked card, right, Dan? Yeah, I, I really like the top of this card, and especially matchup-wise, too. Just, like, it's it creates a lot of, you know, like, I have some, like, pretty clear picks of people I like here, but, like, I'm not even sure why I like some of them. So we'll get into that, yeah. obviously. Yeah, and, and it's not just fun fights. There, there's a lot of meaningful meaningful uh, matchups here, which, which will have um, – uh, possibly title ramifications in the very near future. So um, speaking of which, um, we got Bantamweights. Uh, these two guys basically at, at the top of the top of the heap in the Bantamweight, uh, 130, 135 pen uh, division in the UFC. So Marlon Moraes, Rob Font. Uh, Moraes, um, Fordel, uh, former uh, title challenger himself. He's a year younger than Font. Uh, he's only gone one and two in his last three fights. And he's won three of his last five. He's the minus 150 favorite in this one over Font. Uh, Font will be the larger man. Uh, two inches taller, four inches of reach. Striking and grappling stats are in his favor. He's won two straight fights. Um, three of his last five have come uh, via wins. Um, he's a plus 120 dog, perhaps because if you check in his record, uh, most times, pretty much every time he's fought a real step up in competition, he's he's stumbled um, and lost the fight. Uh, but despite all this, I like him at plus 120, so he'll be another dog I'll be taking. I'm going to take Marlon Marais in this fight, and and I 
Ah, I, I don't feel real great about this one either. But Treason. What you said about Marwin or about Ravant losing every time he takes a step up, it, it's true, and I don't even think he's ever stepped all the way up to Marius's level, right? Like I, I don't in in again I, I you know what I mentioned right at the top of this this segment is that I I'm not sure why I like people in some of these fights, right? Like Marius, I mean he got out grappled by uh, you know Henry Cejudo or at least out pressured by Henry Cejudo. Then he, you know, had to deal with, you know, Corey Sanhagen, who's awkwardly long and difficult. So, like, I don't know that I draw any comparisons to Font there at all in those last two losses. So it's, like, hard to sort of gauge why. But Marias was dangerous with the hands and, and with the feet against guys like Aljamain Sterling and, and Jimmy Rivera. So I like him enough from those wins to keep riding him here against somebody like Font. Uh, what state is Rob Font from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, is this my trader dumb call? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Rob, Rob Fawn is a Massachusetts boy, um, and I am from Massachusetts, and that is somewhat painful to pick against. However, maybe I'll redeem myself when we get back to breaking down cards because uh, there's another Massachusetts boy headlining when we finally get back to fights, and uh, I'll be, you know, a little preview here. I'll be picking him in that fight. All right, there you go. Um, so we move on to welterweights, which – could very possibly be fight of the night here. Uh, Michelle Pereira versus Chaos Williams. Um, Pereira, uh, one inch taller, so basically a push there. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. He's two and two in the UFC. He is a very slight minus 120 favorite in this one. Um, Mr. Chaos is 11 and one as a pro, six knockouts, one submission, uh, four inches of reach, one inch younger, two and zero oh in the UFC. Uh, he's at minus 110. Who you like in here? I'm taking Chaos Williams. Uh, I think what he did to Abdul Razak Al-Hassan was right. ridiculous. <laughs> like, that straight right was so heavy. And, like, we, we already were high on him from the win over Murano. But, like, you know, a win over Murano from, a like, a big heavy puncher taking a fight on short notice, you kind of, like, questioned, was it fluky? Uh, the win over uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan was not fluky. He was, like, setting up that strike – He's fighting a guy who's willing to trade punches and be weird and kind of spin around and, you know, isn't afraid. Like, you know, Diego Sanchez hit Michelle Pereira a couple of times. Like, you can't take a couple of punches from Chaos Williams. That's just something no human being can do, right? So for that reason, you know, I think Pereira gets hit enough here where one of them is the end of his night. Uh, and I, I think Chaos Williams has the ability to do that. Yeah, so we're taking Chaos. Uh, I am taking him as well. Uh, so we're taking Chaos Williams over Chaos Prayer. Prayer, his name could be Chaos also, the way he, the way he fights. So this this should be a, a fun fight, um, nonetheless. Um, so we moving on to a the co-main event. I didn't even realize this fight was on the card until fairly recently. A bantamweight fight between former featherweight god Jose Aldo and um, Marlon Chito Vera. So Aldo has dropped his last three fights. Um, of his 28 pro wins, 17 have come via knockout. Um, he's getting a lot of respect in this one. He's at minus 165 over Vera. Uh, this would be Vera's probably his, his biggest, uh, toughest test to date. Um, if Aldo um, has any skills left, which he's shown, is, despite losing, he's shown he, he still has, still can bring it in fights. So uh, Vera, one inch taller, six years younger. He's won four of his last five, which has gotten to, to this uh, high profile fight. Of his 16 pro wins, six knockouts, eight submissions. So very um, finish heavy and very well rounded. Uh, and he's never been finished himself. So that's something you may want to keep in mind when you're when you're picking this fight, if you want to pick it to go go the distance or not. Uh, he's at plus 135. Um, I'm liking him at that number in this fight. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with him too. And again, this is just one of those fights where I'm not sure why I like him in this fight. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned that he had won uh, four out of his last five. In my opinion, he really ought to be on a seven-fight win streak. Because uh, I think he won that fight over Song Yudong, which would give him seven in a row. Um, he obviously lost it by unanimous decision, and we can't rewrite his record. But I, I really think he won both the second and the third round in that fight. So, uh, you know, you, you talked before about guys being on different trajectories. They're both are going in different directions. That's this case here, too, right? Like, all those just trying to cling to, like, one more chance at one more belt or one more fight at relevancy. And Vera is, like, on his way to the top. He's coming off that great win over O'Malley. He looked good against Yadong. 
the, I, I worry about picking him though, just because like by far his best fight in his or his toughest fight in his last seven fights is Sean O'Malley by far. So like this is a massive step up in competition here. But I like the fact that he's probably got the size. He probably is going to check enough of Jose Aldo's kicks should Jose Aldo decide to be a kicker again because he actually hasn't done that very much lately. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I like Vera in this one. But, again, one that I'm not super confident in, one that I wouldn't, you know, definitely tack on the parlays and stuff like that if that was something I was looking to do. Um, I'm, I'm taking Vera in the gun-to-my-head pick. There you go. Dan's uh, got a lot of guns to his head this week. Um, <laughs> hopefully no one pulls the trigger here. Uh, so the main event was originally the, the co-main event. It's, it's very main event worthy when, when the uh, when the original main event fell out. I, I was thinking, yeah, this this fight uh, is, is just as uh, just as likely to, to be a headliner as, as the other one was. So it would be a welterweight fight between the aforementioned uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal. Um, Thompson will be an inch taller. Uh, he's only won one of his last three fights and two of his last five. He's going into this one at a uh, very small uh, minus 120 favorite. There's, as as you've heard, uh, a lot of these fights are, are hard, to, hard to call with, with the numbers. There's a lot of very, very close numbers, especially on the on the main portion of, of the night. Um, as for Neil, he'll be seven years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's 13-2 and two as a pro. Eight knockouts, two submissions. He's won seven straight fights, um, five straight in the UFC, four of them uh, via finish. I believe three knockouts or technical knockouts and one submission in that in that streak. There, uh, he's at minus one ten, and I am liking him at minus one ten. Yeah, I'm going to take Jeff Neal. Um, I, I think the interesting thing for me here against him is that his output is just so much higher than Wonder Boys, and yeah, he gets hit a little bit more too. Um, but not by much, right? Like if you look at the the UFC stats, and we'll call it fight metrics, if you you want to go back to its original name, you know, like he gets hit with like three and a half punches per minute, whereas Wonder Boy gets hit with like 2.7. So they're like 0.8 strikes per minute absorbed apart, which is significant, but not super significant. Then you look at what they've landed. Wonder Boy just under four strikes a minute. Jeff Neal throwing over six strikes a minute or landing over six strikes a minute rather. So, you know, when you, you combine those two things, that aggression of Jeff Neal for me plays in really well, especially when you add that, like he should have a grappling advantage here too, right? Like no doubt wonder boys a great, you know, he keeps his distance. Great. That karate stance is weird as hell, but like, I also could definitely see Jeff Neal catching a kick and bringing him to the ground. I know he's been working with Kamara Usman for this fight, um, which is a nightmare for, for Wonder Boy, if, if that is true, and if that um, is rubbing off on Jeff Neal. I just think Jeff Neal is going to be a tough out for a lot of dudes in this division. And for me, uh, this is the right kind of step up and the right kind of matchup. I think people are going to see um, him shine in this type of matchup. Yep. No uh, no arguments for me there. So it looks like that that is all 15 fights as we speak. Looks like we differed on about four of them, which which is basically how it's been going the past few weeks. And mine have come through and yours have not. So we'll see if that uh, that changes as uh, as the year comes to close or not. It, yeah, but I'm, but I'm riding the Canadians this week. That's so true. we know we'll that see. that's going to work. <laughs> we will see. Uh, if they're true Canadians, that they'll have been uh, isolated and up in training. So they're, they're going to lose because – because we're taking this virus seriously here, but um, is there any um, props parlays? Uh, you mentioned a few. Uh, you want to um, want to give a recap of them here before we we say bye bye? Yeah. So I think I said in the parlays before I like Antonio Arroyo over Darren Wynn. I think that's a pretty clear pick, and I like Jimmy Flick here too. Um, pairing those two together in a prop, you could also, um, if depending on how you're feeling about that line for negative 270 for Roberson against Dolce Lugiambula, he would work in a parlay for a lot of those two. I would have liked getting him at the line he was at the first time they matched him up and before money poured in. He was down near like negative 220, negative 210 sometimes. He's up where he is now, starting to make me second guess using him in a parlay, um, but he's a good pick. Um, I would also say just if you're, if you're looking for stuff in there for finishes, I like Jimmy Flick by finish if you'd like to make those odds a little juicier. Um, I also like, you know, the, the Chaos Williams versus Michelle Pereira does not go to the distance. 
um, prop is going to be like negative 300 or something when it eventually comes out. But if you can find Chaos Williams in there, knockout in the first, you know, like that, that's, if he's going to win, it's probably going to be how he's going to win. You can probably find him knockout in the first, right around even money. So for my props, I, I like him knockout even money. Uh, I like Jimmy Flick getting his finish. Um, you could probably just pick submission. There's no way he knocks somebody out. Um, and let's go Antonio Arroyo and we'll say Jimmy Flick uh, straight up as that parlay. There you go. Um, so that does it for, for this week. We will be back. Uh, UFC may be going quiet, but, but we will we will not. You will have your, your fix of us uh, every, every week right through there. So we'll be back next week to tell you how um, my four picks uh, differed from Dan's and how, how I won on all, all four of those and, and Dan lost once again because um, that's just the way we roll around around these parts. Um, also, if, if there is any with with three weeks coming up with no no fights on on the UFC schedule, if there's any topics or questions you'd like us to cover, um, hit us up on on Twitter and let us know. Um, save us the trouble of having to brainstorm up ideas ourselves. Uh, so I'm at Jeff Fox writer and Dan is at Gumby Vreeland. Um, so make sure you follow me first of all, so I can get my followers up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, hit us up with, with, if there's any fights you want us to, to handicap, um, any, uh, any questions on betting strategies, even non gambling stuff related to the sport, uh, make sure you hit us up and we will, uh, gladly, come up with some answers and if we don't have the answer we'll we'll make something up that sounds like we know what we're talking about right all right so that'll that'll do it for for another week we will be back like i said next week uh thanks for listening and bye-bye till then Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier has arrived on Disney+. Plus. The world is upside down. We can't lose this fight, Bucky. If we do this, we're going to do it our own way. Experience the six-episode event. We're partners, co-workers. Not necessarily the team. No. We look damn good. Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus.